Well, everything's complicated if you bork it up. Don't get it wrong then. <laughs> Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 285. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Perlman, and once again we have a full house with Charles Featherer. Hello, hello. And Samantha Har. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? I'm sick. I have a... Oh. I, it's just a cold. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, in the very rare non-release notes episode of JudgeCast, because we are ignoring Jumpstart... Uh, we're going to talk about some of the changes that have been going on in the Magic Judge community. Eh? I, I'm Yay, okay with I'm, I'm, a, I'm okay with that, but but really, we have to skip Jumpstart. I mean, they do have the mild mannered librarian card in there. Did you know that? The mild mannered librarian. The mild mannered librarian. It turns into a, what a wolf or a werewolf. It, it it does something. It's very interesting. I love it. Oh, but it doesn't transform. It just turns into nope. a werewolf. Yes, something like that. I'd have to pull it up and find it. But it's green, and it's the mild-mannered librarian, and I'm very excited for it. It's you. It is me. Is mild-mannered librarian a tongue twister? Say it Say it five times faster. Mild-mannered librarian. That is, that is hard. The librarian's hands in the art are starting to turn all wolfy, so it's it's just, I just love it. Mild-mannered I think it's be I think it's challenging because you have to switch between L's and R's so frequently that if you if you had even a slight difficulty with L's and R's that would be that would be so bad. I've determined that my job on the show is to derail Brian as soon as he gets to the main topic. That's it. That's Does the mild-mannered librarian sell seashells by the seashore? Yeah, exactly. Or or pick pickled peppers. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, uh, that's enough about tongue twisters, which uh, we're going to be talking about some updates to Judge Academy, and then we're going to spend a little bit of time at the end talking about Magic 30. Now, as I understand it, um, being able to do uh, rubber baby buggy bumpers 10 times <laughs> is now an L1 requirement, right? Have to have done it at least once. But no, what's... Okay, so first first and foremost, there is a deadline illumin coming up soon what is that uh the deadline looming is not for every single judge but for most judges um you gotta pay your membership fee by the by the end of december so that is december 31st is most judges due dates 20 29 or 23 59 pacific time december 31st and they are if you pay before that date those dues are 75 correct correct and if you pay after, oh, so on January 1st, 2023 or later, your dues are going to be 85 or greater. Or yeah, if, you're, greater if your due date, the basically no matter when when your due date is in 2023, you will be paying $85. So okay. the $85, in fact, may not apply to you until December 31st, 2023. Um, that, that just is the 2023 price coming up, the 85. All right. A thing that I have learned about judges is there are there are three types of judges. Okay, Just three? Th oh, I can't wait to hear what these are. <laughs> yeah, those that understand binary and those... That, no. Um, okay, there are the types of judges that when a window opens or there is a due date, like an application window, they get in right at the, right at the beginning. 
I'm loading Judge okay. Academy now, and I'm going yep. to go to my account, and I'm going to pay. Yeah, I actually did Yay. mine last night when writing the notes, and I was like, oh, I should probably take care of this. Okay, then there are the judges that wait until the last minute and, and do it, and, and do it, like, on the 31st. And then there are the judges that will wait until, like, January 15th, two weeks after the deadline, <laughs> and then get indignant well, no, that no, there no, isn't see. an exception for being late. Yeah, I was going to say, if you wait till January 15th, you aren't going to be a judge to be indignant. <laughs> well, they, well, you're going to have to recertify. Yes. And that's that's the big and important thing is so if you are a level one judge who does not pay, you will then become a rules advisor. And mm -hmm. as I understand it, you will not have to retake the modules, but you will have to take retake the L1 exam. Yeah, and that that's true for that's true for all the levels right now. Um, okay, that may be a stretch. Level three is a little more complicated, but for level one and level two, um, if you don't pay, you get decertified back down to rules advisor. Um, and then from there, you know, here are your options, or here here's here's how to get recertified. Take a look and see if there are any required modules you're missing. You know, newer judges will have already gone through all the modules, so they'll have already done all the modules. But if you, say, transferred over from the old judge program and haven't done the modules, you will have to do the required modules. Um, so make sure all your required modules are done. You will need to take retake the final exams for however many levels you want to certify back up to. And you, you will then have to pay the membership fee and you'll be good from there. Yeah. You will not have to redo, you won't have to redo any modules you've already done and you won't have to get re-endorsed. So. Yeah. so so two days, two days late, two years late, same thing. Same thing. And I'm, I'm actually kind of fine with that because, you know, as judges, we should kind of be aware of deadlines. I mean, this is this is a thing that we should be used to. And we should also not expect special treatment when we don't comply with those those deadlines. Right. If you apply late for an event, there is zero that you should have zero expectation of someone staffing you for that event. Right. There there are there are a few obviously good hearted, you know, with a heart exceptions we will make. Like if, you know, you've if you've been deployed, you know, or you just had a baby or yeah. who knows what, like if you have something really extraordinary going on, just let us know. Like, let us know when it happens. <laughs> Don't let us know three years from now and be like, oh, I I got married that day and never told anybody. Why am I not not still a judge that I'm not going to be interested in that? <laughs> when I did exemplar. Like, there would be a deadline, and it would be advertised for a full three months. This is a once-a-quarter thing. Three months. Like, the day after the deadline, I would start getting all these sob stories about, like, oh, well, I was, you know, visiting my mom and forgot. I, I, I don't care. Okay. There was, like, one or two times that I made I made some exceptions, and uh, the, the exceptions were... Uh, one guy was like, we had a natural disaster in my city and we haven't had power or water for a week. Right. I was like, you know what? Exceptional. <laughs> you get a pass. And then there was like another time where an RC was like, I didn't put my stuff in. And they had something like 30 nominations because they were an RC and an L3 and stuff like that. And I was like, this is going to crater an entire region if I don't let this slacker through. <laughs> so it's like, I let them through not for their sake, but for the 30 other people. And I was just, the whole time I was just mad. But but anyway, yeah, don't 
don't be a Mr. Bungle. Do don't be a Mr. Bungle. Don't don't be a uh, oh what's it um a goofus. <laughs> oh, goofus, a goofus yeah. and gallant. Yeah. <laughs> don't be a goofus. All right. So <laughs> if you pay plus, here's the other thing: if you wait late and try and renew and forget to renew and try and renew in mid-January, it's going to be $85 instead of $75. So get that $10 off and do it do it in December. And and if you if you pay on time and or or a little early, you get the benefit of not having to listen to me have an attitude with you when you inevitably end up in my inbox. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. Everyone um, loves to not have to listen to Sam I have yeah. an attitude. So I actually, well, it, it depends on if I'm on the receiving end. If I get to watch you have an attitude with somebody else, <laughs> love it. Be witness but to attitude. I'll put a put a note in the show notes. Uh, Judge Academy has a, uh, a, a instruction page that says, like, this is how you do it. Because it it's not exactly, there's like one or two button clicks where you're like, really? That's what I click? But it's, it, it's not intuitive right now. It's a process we're working on. Can I actually talk about that for just a minute? I'll make it, it quick. Sure. Sure. Um, just about everybody is going to see an entry, a a payment entry for March. Absolutely nobody actually got charged that. So even though you see a a, like payment entry for March, pretend you don't pretend you do not see it. That was the weird thing I saw because I was like, I'm pretty sure I... So the the quick the quick version is that last year when renewals came around, we had a grace period for some for some people through Mm -hmm. January to pay and it like really messed up the way our payment system worked internally. So when we when the devs went to like basically reconcile all those records in March, it just just the system just the system just like created an entry for everybody that was like, now everything's correct. And it's like, okay, thanks. Like that is not (laughs) for our users, that is not useful information and is very confusing, but there's no way for us to hide it. The price that's the price we had to pay for giving everybody a, an extra month to pay. Um, but okay. yeah, I know it's confusing. If it says March, your due date is probably not March. Your due date is probably December thirty first. Uh, what's the next bit of? I, I I believe I believe it has something to do with the survey, right? Uh, some some type of a survey that's gone out. Yes, it's a survey of demon graphics. Demon graphics. I know nothing graphics. about that. I Brian, play I had goblins. to think about that so hard. I had to think about that so hard. I'm like, what's a demon graphic? I'm sitting here. I'm I'm too tired for this, bro. Well, I mean, gra- <laughs> well, graphic demons is an entirely different podcast. That's Judge Cast After Dark. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Yeah. Yes, <laughs> just all sorts of things. So, what what is the what's the demographic survey? Um, so the demographic survey is just a, an, a little side initiative we're taking. I don't think we've ever really done much of much survey taking as to like, we've never really done much of a census, right? Like we're kind of interested in who our judges are like, you know, because judge, because magic judges are sort of a subgroup of a subgroup, you know, I, I expect that judge demographics are going to look very similar to magic, the gathering player demographics, but but who knows, right? And we're just kind of interested to see where people are, who people are, um, so that we can sort of better tailor our content, better serve folks, make sure, you know, the things we do are reaching, you know, folks optimally. I actually think our, our demographics are going to skew a little uh, substantially different from the player base. They may. I, I would be really interested to find out. I have, I have no idea what to expect, like, honestly. 
if I had to make a prediction, I would say I would just, you know, say the safe bet is aligned with Magic players, but maybe not at all. I'm, I, I'm super excited to find out. I, I think you already have some demographics on hand, right? You know how many judges in a given country, you know, you know, um, levels and so forth. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to capture more granular detail, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, people's identities, I don't know, all sorts of things. And like, one of the one of the uh, one of the other things is like we we have a lot of data we can look up in our records on the website obviously that people register with but i think we're also interested to see what people self report as cuz you know not every not everything has the same set of you know breakdowns of who people are and what people want to be identified as so i don't know i think we're i think we are just interested <laughs> yeah, we tried to do a survey uh, I put together as I think either right before I became a program coordinator or right at, as I became one, I had this large, like 11 language survey, uh, across and got something like 1200 people to respond and wow. putting all the data together and compiling it all. And then we got the PCs got word that the program was ending and it like all of a sudden, all of my desire to just do something with this information, just drained right out of me well yeah what a bummer yeah i was making charts and uh (laughs) well i mean things things were like do you feel that the it was questions like do you feel the l1 test is too easy too hard or just right and like one of the interesting trends i found was basically everyone felt that the requirements for the level above them was too hard Mm -hmm. and the level requirements for the level below them were too easy Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was it was very enlightening. But anywho, uh, these yeah these questions are things like race, gender identity, level, location, how often you travel for events, how much of your income is judging, uh, how much is your income outside of judging, and I I had to check I had to check the old person radio button for like the first time, and it was like the the max age one. Cause you were, it was like 45 plus, And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh no, this is, this is, this is the first time. This is the first time there wasn't like at least one radio button below. Oh no. And it, it, it hurt me in the feels. Like, do you have an AARP card? <laughs> no, no. Well, they you may as well, Brian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I might have one, but I broke a hip. I'm just sitting here silently because I'm like 49. Yeah, I'm laughing. I'm laughing at this whole exchange because as as mossy as Brian is, he's not. He's not older than me yet. A lot of <laughs> lot of mossiness going on. I'm in only here. like 90 percent as old as you. Right. Right. <laughs> whole lot of whole lot of mossiness on this podcast. Uh, it is. I, 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 I feel this in my knees. This whole conversation. <laughs> All right. Oh, you're gonna make. If I'm gonna laugh so hard, I'm gonna break a hip. Okay. Uh. <laughs> All right. So that's the demographics. But the big complicated thing, the big meat of this of this episode is they put out some uh, some level updates and revisions that are going to take a place at going to kick into effect at the beginning of the year, I believe. 2023, baby. Yeah. All right. So, uh so Jonah Kelman put out an article uh, actually several articles uh, or several pages K- kind of hard to navigate all of them so we're gonna we're gonna break it down for you so uh 
level one, what's, what is the expectation for a level one judge? And I don't believe this changed. I don't know if it changed, but I think it's, I think it's phrased very well here. And it's, it's someone who's capable of running a, a 16 player FNM or pre-release on their own without it being, um, without it devolving. If you can't <laughs> Just handle crumbling that. crumbling to pieces. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm trying, I'm trying to uh, paraphrase here on the fly. Um, if you can't handle that, you may be below or you are below the bar for L1. Yeah, I think so. So something to keep in mind, and you kind of kind of touched on this, is like a lot of the, the things we are changing aren't actually changes at all. It's really just there's a whole lot of judge knowledge about leveling up and expectations that the community just kind of knows and has in their head that has never really been codified. Um, and sometimes for good reason. But, you know... Uh, there, there are a lot of things that, even though this looks like a lot of writing, a lot like a lot of scary changes, it's actually really just putting into words like a whole lot of stuff that we already kind of know to be true, yeah. for some of it. And and that doesn't mean if you are looking to become a, a, a level one judge and your store only has eleven people, okay? If you're handling if you're handling your business with eleven people, okay, the difference between eleven and sixteen isn't really that great it's you know three more matches right kate the word capable is doing a lot of lifting here like if you regularly are doing fine with 11 players you are certainly going to be doing fine with 16 players okay um and then you go like well well how come how come if you can if you can do that why isn't it 11 it's like well because then people will say like oh well eight you could do and then well why isn't it eight and then you just you know at the end of the day sometimes we just gotta pick a number there in, kinder- in kindergarten, we learn base 10, but when we move into judging, we learn base 8. Yeah, that's in, pretty every, much true. <laughs> everything's yeah. in 8s when we move to judging. And and an 8-player event is is a it's a draft pod. Um, it, it, we would expect an RA, uh, a rules advisor to be able to easily handle that, for instance. But when we start to expand past that, we, we start in base 8. So we go to 16. That's the next one. And we expect L1s to be able to handle that without any real difficulty. Now, changes to the requirements. Um, You have to complete all the level one modules. That has not changed, although there may be one or two new modules. Uh, I did not see a note for that. A required module that I know is coming down the pipe is um, going to coincide with our updated code of conduct um, because we feel people... We feel that even even when we talk about it, people still just don't really like pay attention to it until they feel it becomes extremely necessary all of a sudden for for whatever reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. we, we yeah. want to make sure people are once we release the clearer code of conduct, I don't want to say change because it's also not actually changing in practice that much. But once we release the clearer code of conduct, um, we want people to really engage with that knowledge as part of their certification process. But the next one is there's now a new requirement to judge a sanctioned event. A new, old, new requirement. <laughs> yeah, everything old is new again. Right. It got dropped during the pandemic, I believe. Which because... only made sense. Right, because right. during the pandemic, there were no sanctioned events. And it turns out we like judges to be certified anyway. We like judges, so. And, and conveniently enough or ironically enough the best way to know that you're going to like judging events is to judge an event please go judge an event now just i'm going to ask the question 
because at some point in time it will be asked and I just want it out there so that people can hear the answer. If someone has received an endorsement, but you know, prior to this being set up, but has not yet passed their test, um, do they have to suddenly go out and find an event to judge before they're allowed to pass their test and become an L1? Um, yeah, every, every, every one of the requirements should happen before the test. Um, the test is always going to be the final step for L1. Right. Okay. I'm not going to endorse someone that hasn't judged an event yet. No, but I mean, I mean, let's say somebody got their endorsement a month ago. And they failed their first test, and they're taking their test again. Oh, do they do they have to go out suddenly and and judge an event if they have not judged an event prior to under the old? If, if somebody the old if somebody requirements sort of, right if somebody gets to, when this is um when this new set of requirements becomes the norm, if somebody is sort of like halfway through the process in a weird place, we can we can work with them individually to make sure that they're getting the you know prep they need to to be a ready l1 um but yeah that's there you know any anytime systems sort of change over there are always going to be sort of weird little middle cases for a while and that's okay we're prepared for that and we're we are we are prepared to help people and figure things out to to make it meaningful and make it make sense for them right okay uh a change to the endorsement since we're just talking about endorsements is uh, a a bullet point that has generated some discussion which is previously you had to get an endorsement from an L2 plus judge. Now you have the additional option to get an endorsement from your tournament organizer. Ooh, at a shiny. WPN, uh, a WPN recognized tournament organizer, not just you know someone that's like, I run events, I'll endorse you. <laughs> Give me that box of boosters. I organized a draft. Right, and... um. The way the way we sort of envision this is it it has and and also it has to be a a TO from a WPN registered recognized store and it when we say TO it can't be the guy that works 4 hours a week on Friday nights you know the like it, the stockroom boy it has to be it has to be like the event manager or the store owner it has to be somebody that actually has a very vested interest in you making their events good. The way I see it, there are there are goods and goods and bads to this. Uh, uh, Charles, do you want to do you want to take the pros or the cons? <laughs> um, I'll let you take the pros this time because I think it's interesting that way, and I'll take the cons, which I don't know. Okay, do. all right. You know there are some ne- negatives to having the to, but one of the one of the big things, one of the positives, uh, is. If a TO is willing to do a little bit of work to say that they feel that you are qualified to do events at their store, that's a pretty strong gold star. You know, if if someone is saying, yes, I want this person to do events at my shop, that's that's great. This is also good for those areas where there is no L2 judge nearby. And when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about remote regions. Uh, Charles and I were laughing beforehand. Um, I got into an argument with somebody online once. Oh, shocker. I got into an argument with somebody online where they, where they were claiming. <laughs> yeah, where they were claiming they were a remote judge because they lived 40 kilometers outside of Toronto, Canada. <laughs> I, 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 live in, I live in New Jersey and the nearest competitive scene for me is about an hour away. 
Right. Right. I when I've... we say when we say remote judges, we're talking the judge that has to drive six hours across the Brazilian rainforest to get to a store. That's a remote to get to the next door. That's a remote judge. If you have to paddle a literal canoe to get to to get to your local store. There is there are judges in Hawaii that have to get on a plane to fly to the next closest judge. All right. right. You getting to your store, you don't have to get on one of those the the YouTube videos of like the bus driving on the mountain road where there's no where it's just a sheer drop off. Like if if you if, have to travel by dog sled, okay, I get it. But right. yeah, if you got to compete in the Iditarod to get to your to get to the next judge, fine. You're remote, but no, like 30 minutes away, LOL. Okay, and so it helps those judges who are legitimately remote and not just the ones where it's like, I don't like talking to L2s. It's hard to make, it's hard because I'm awkward. It's hard to make people like me. Right, that's that's um, something we run into with with uh, both certification, the certification process and also with like conferences and stuff people people across the world have very have just vastly different ideas of what far away means like if if you and a couple buddies can get in a mom van and drive for four hours like that's close enough that's close enough that i'm not that concerned about you but yeah if you if you have to like (laughs) hide in the hide in the cargo hold of a of a of an airplane to escape to flee the country to get certified then then you're the one we want to help yeah all right so, uh, Charles, what are the what are the negatives? So the cons are this, and and I think it's pretty straightforward. First off, I think, um, and and I would hope that for at least a period of time, uh, Judge Academy is taking a close look at the actual endorsements that are coming in from TOs. Um, there is, um, and and hey, uh, L2s sometimes um, may not spend the amount of time they need to spend on it either, but. L2s and, and L3s and, and so forth, we, we come from a culture of doing the endorsements, of, of doing feedback, of, of giving reviews. Um, we should understand what the requirements are for writing up an endorsement for an L1. Uh, this is new territory for TOs. Uh, it is entirely possible that we'll have the TO that writes the sentence, I hereby endorse John Smith to be a judge. That's not what we need. That's not what's being looked for. Um, and I think that's a potential negative. I'm hopeful that there will be a, a reasonable amount of education that goes along with this and that TOs will be excited and be on board with doing this and promoting those judge candidates that want to become judges within their community. I think it's a good thing from that perspective, too, because the TO knows what their store needs. Um, they know, hopefully, what kind of a personality they need to uh, be a good look for their store to, to promote them. And they're not going to, you know, spend a lot of time working with somebody um, who's a, who's not going to help them grow, which is good. Yeah. And bad endorsements slash bad reviews have a consistent problem. And this is at all levels, all levels of endorsement reviews and stuff like that is if you get the review and it's bad, like it's so bad that it shouldn't count it feels like punishment for the person that received the review. It's like, I, I got the review and you're saying it's not good enough. Well, 
Yeah, well, looking at it, clearly it's not good enough. It, it, it puts them in a situation where the person who's... It's not the fault. It's the fault of the person approving it or authorizing the evaluation is sufficient, and not the person that provided the crappy evaluation, right? That right. it 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 puts it puts the blame or the victim of the bad rev- the bad evaluation the bad review is the L one or the L two or the L three candidate, okay? But the cause of it is still the person that gave the evaluation. Like, and that's why it's important. If you're going to give an evaluation, give a, give a real evaluation. Give a real evaluation. Right. And of course we, of course we will be keeping an eye on this as, you know, as it develops, because if it turns out, I mean, I certainly don't expect this to be the case, but if it turns out TOs just are, are for whatever reason, not consistently capable of writing decent reviews or just don't seem to get it. Like even after we like provide some like education and training, like. We this is this is a lever we can always unpull. And to 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 help, uh, I'll just glance over real quick. And uh, the still requirement is pass the L one rules test and policy test. Um, now there are a series of new documents that are going to be provided to kind of help people figure out what is appropriate for when evaluating an L one candidate. There's a a concise evaluation guideline, a detailed evaluation guideline. It looks like you took the L three pillars. And then just defined what the categories look like for an L1, like leadership, attitude and maturity, you know, development of other judges, like what that looks like for an L1. I personally think that the, the, it's probably a little too complex to be something public facing. Well, so that's, that's why we have a tendency. We, something we've started doing just as, as practice, as we've as we've grown up and matured and figured out things about judges is making a quick and easy tidbit version of anything we produce. And then also making a like, Oh, if you're really interested in the nitty gritty of the policy, here's the 40 page document version of the thing we produce. Because if we ever do just one and not the other people complain. Um, so yeah, the, the first, the first public facing versions, you know, once all of this is finalized, is going to be like easy bullet point versions. Okay. So I found like two documents, like one document is just like, this is sufficient, this is deficient. And then another version where that you had like tiers of like great, good, okay-ish, poor, and then expletive for really bad. Um, I, 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 yeah, I think, I think that, that document that breaks it down into those five tiers is great for people making modules for you guys, uh, internal right. discussions, like anything, anything where you like look to see what your target is and how you stick your target. But I think for, for public facing, just a, you know, what's my line for a thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. Some people, some people want the super complicated version because we're, we are a group of people that likes, that likes to get real granular with data and all of that, but not all of us and not everybody. So, you know, which, whatever version feels right for you. Some judges are pedantic. Go figure. What? What? <laughs> We're learning all sorts of new things. You in this don't podcast. say. <laughs> and there are two new badges for L1s that they can that they can get on their way to L2 or maybe not. Just you will naturally get them on your way to L2, but you might just want them just to for funsies. I I just want to applaud you for not you know, just completely throwing the pop culture reference out there. What was uh, that? Oh, we don't need no stinking badges. We don't need no stinking badges. 
yeah. thought it. That's such yeah, an I th- old I knew you thought people it. reference. We are old. Old. Even even the new reference is old. old. Yes. Old. I just see a note that says Brian dislikes this bit. What? What? Are, tell him about the badges and why you dislike them, Brian. I'm giving other people the chance to talk about them before I before I poo poo on it. So so before yeah before Brian poo poos, I'll take the pro this time. We'll let Brian take the con. The concept of badges are great. Um, it Thank gives you. I people love it gives people a way to do mini check marks and say I know something to to a level of detail that. Um, it makes me feel more complete as a judge, more well-rounded as a judge. I think they're, I think they're great. I think they um, should be used in some cases more. I, I'm, I want to dig into them some because I, I really don't have an idea of all of the badges that are currently available. Um, but the idea behind them of uh, going in and saying, you know what, I really want to work on. Um, getting a little bit better with policy, and I know I know that's going to be the sticking point here be- with with Brian in a second. Um, I think it's great that that people can sp- sit down, spend some time, do a little extra study session, and say I feel more comfortable with policy, and here's something that shows that I have taken the time to do that. Yep. And, and here and here comes Brian. Yep. And if the <laughs> and if the badge was titled "I'm slightly comfortable with the concept of competitive rail policy" badge. I'd probably be fine with that. But the whole purpose of L2 is you're certified to run, you know, small comp rail policy, uh, sorry, small comp rail events. We have had for forever in a day an issue where people get their, people get their L1 or or since, since L1 has been defined as regular rail, people get their L1 and they immediately go like, well, glad I got it. I got a PPTQ or a GPT or an RCQ on Saturday. Glad I got my L1 now. And this this right here, this badge, a CompRail badge, like reading the description of it, going through the modules, and with the name, it is very easy to represent yourself as being CompRail certified when you really have a CompRail badge. Those two terms are very close. Very easy to get confused and very easy to convince yourself that because you sat and had a module playing and then you, you, you answered a few five question, uh, uh, te- uh, you know, five, ten questions that if you fail, you get to take it again, you know, that you're ready to head judge a comp event or you might misrepresent. I, I just no, I just I, think, I think that that's very valid. I that's that is the. And I don't necessarily know how to how to solve this problem because one of the problems is is just these we've got L ones that do not have the experience signing up to head judge RCQs, just like we had it with PPTs, PPTQs, and just like we had it with uh, with GPTs. Okay, and I think in in my opinion this badge gives a false sense of confidence, but at the same time it is better than it's better than nothing. Because it forces you to actually look at the material as just like walking in and being like, I'll just Google any problems I come up with. You know, so <laughs> it's it's right. better than nothing, but it's still I think it gives a false sense of mastery. Because that's kind of what these badges imply is some level of mastery. I think it implies a, uh, a it gives a false sense of mastery. Having sat here and listened to this and have and knowing what some of the history is of, of some other things over time, I'm going to kind of nutshell this for me and and maybe make it in a better set of terms for you, Brian. Okay. Number one, 
we know that there was discussion or people wanted whether or not they were actually people that could do or make the change. Some people at different points in time have wanted a level 1.5, right? Where um, you've demonstrated some level of knowledge with comp rel and you should be considered um, more practice than, than an L1. That was something that has been something over the years that has popped up here and there. I even occasionally see it in, in the Discord channel where somebody might have uh, their level is 1.5. That's, 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 it's, it's cute. It's nice. I get it. I, I get it. Okay, but like, but, but I, here's, here's what, here's what, here's what this does. Here's what the badge does. The badge allows a judge to go and do this thing, demonstrate some level of knowledge through a test or through taking the class and then the judge can sat there and put it in their application to a to for a larger event and say i have accomplished this and the to can make an evaluation this judge has put in more time and i think that they may be good to give to be they may be a good candidate to be given a chance to grow in my event so i'll i'm gonna counter counter that okay okay so first off, let's let's say the the events that a judge is applying to, uh, where they're going to be competing against lots of other judges, are for large tos, okay, for large events. In which case, you're going to have a support structure in place for the judges that that are weaker or just beginning their comparel comparel uh, uh, experience, okay. Yes. Um, all, uh, then if a judge is just applying to a TO for an event for a TO that has only like one, you know, it's only like a one judge spot. Okay. Saying I'm certified, I have a CompRel badge and I'm certified for CompRel. Those two statements, I don't believe the TO is going to know the difference in those two statements. Nor do I believe that the, the person doing the application is going to provide enough information for the TO okay. to make that distinction. Okay, that's okay. Fair. Yeah. Okay. I, I I get that. I I am thinking of in general the the 100 judge events. Um, Can I offer where 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 To has to sit there and say, okay, reading the reading you know the 15th application from a from a, an L1 judge that they don't know and sit there and say, oh wait, this one has gone out and done this badge recently. They're showing an interest in in growth and so forth. That's a um, that's something that we can work with. What's the difference? What's the difference between saying I have a Comprel policy badge and I've taken the Comprel module, the the Comprel modules, like like they functionally mean the same thing because the Comprel badge is literally you have taken the modules and passed passed the test, so you can just make that statement and it's much clearer and there's less ambiguity. You know, rather, also rather than arguing, I could just tell you to the answer to this. Oh, cool. <laughs> Now we want to fight a little bit more. No, can, wait. Can we? Can we? Can we do another five minutes on this? Shut up. <laughs> I was told to shut up by Sama. Hush. Yep. Check. Check. That's, that's the Settle bumper down. for the. <laughs> Settle down. I think I do think the badge needs to be renamed because I think your concerns are correct. Um, this is not meant to be a replacement for level two, and frankly. I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody argue for a level 1.5 because, frankly, the right. the jump from level 1 to level 2 is not so great that there needs to be a 1.5. Like, if you know, wow. com you know Comparel well enough that you think you're ready to, to do this stuff, then go B and L2. Go do I'll, it. Then. I'm going to disagree. I'm, I'm going to go look for it. 
go do the thing then. Yeah, but... when we when we were looking when we were doing the L one, hush, I'm not done yet. I'm not oh. done yet, and you two have to let yes, me ma'am. finish. Yes, All ma'am. Right, okay, I'll you. be good. Um, but the thing is, there are places where there just are no L twos. For all the for all the everything everybody wants to be the case, like if a store wants to run an RCQ and there just are no level twos, they they have to hire a level one, you know, more or less. Like, so what are they gonna do? You know, what what else is the option, right? Just not run the event, just not have a judge. Like, it is so, what it is. So, so the intent- ah, ah, yep. I'm not done. So having a badge that's like I know the absolute basics of this, I think makes sense, but I do think that. Like you said, the title can be misleading, so I think to fix this, we could, I think we do need to find a title for the badge that's suitable to reflect that this is, you have done the, you are, you are just familiar with this. You are not ready for, to, to head judge a comp relevant in any normal sense. So, and as far as the, as far as educating TOs go, goes on the differences, that is going to be part of the process we're rolling out here. So that's it. I'm done. I don't have anything to add, though. Thank you. Yeah, I'm kind of done too. Yeah. Which is good um, because we've got we've got a number of things to go over tonight. Yeah. So that's level one. What about level two? I don't think I don't think L two. I, I really don't think L two is changing that much. We're adding a couple of badges for funsies um, to indicate different levels of competency. Um, the I think the only thing that's really changing is is sort of an something we've already implemented is L 2s having to wait to be able to certify other people for L2s. Um, right now at six months, we're going to push it. We're going to bump it up to a year. Or either either you have to wait a year or you have to have worked six events while you yourself have been an L2. And that's for an L2 giving an endorsement to an L1 who is looking to become L2. Correct. Okay. L2s, the, the moment you become an L2, you will be able to endorse people who are interested in becoming L1s. This is purely meant to be for L2s endorsing candidates for L2. Yeah, not really not a lot is changing with level two. And that and that all makes sense. I think we all think when we make L well, some of us think when we make L2 that, you know, we we've we've proven everything. We're there. We know what it takes. I think it still takes a little bit of time, you know, stretching out your shoes that you've you've just got into your new shoes and, and walking a few miles in them before you're actually ready to do go back and say, yes, you're ready for L2. Right. Yeah, I, I, I don't think the second you, you pass your L2 test, you suddenly are bequeathed with this understanding <laughs> that the person that did the evaluation of you, you're, you're given all that knowledge. It's like, no, go, go be an L2. Go be an L2 for a while, and then you'll, you'll get a better understanding of what it means to be L2. And then you're better able to recognize that in others. Right. I think that on like judging looks like a lot of things at every level. Judging looks like a lot of things on paper, but any anybody that has judged for any amount of time knows that what judging is on paper and what judging is in practice can sometimes vary wildly. So yeah, go be an L2. Go actually act as an L2 for there, a bit. There's a huge difference between I had judged a 32 person uh, RCQ and I ran a good 32 person RCQ. Like on paper. Those are both the event successfully completed. Check. In reality, there's a huge difference between a well-run event and a poorly run event. So, but what are these badges? They're three badges. Well, we have a small event lead role. um, and, And that badge indicates that the judge has experience at larger competitive events 
and has demonstrated the ability there um, to lead smaller teams. So like a deck check team or uh, an end of round team uh, of two or three judges on events with roughly one to 200 players where they can head judge a competitive event uh, with under 100 players. So oftentimes at really large events. Um, uh, in fact, Magic 30, which we'll be talking about in a few minutes, Magic 30 had a lot of these um, mini events that were anywhere between 32 or 64 or 128 players. Um, being able to head judge an event with under 100 players, generally have a couple of other judges under you to run an event like that. Generally, there are three or four rounds. Um, because they're probably run at comp rail and to, to be able to manage that. Um, but it can also be a competitive event, um, to be able to manage that and manage a small team, um, is, is a, is a great, great, uh, demonstration of experience for a small event lead role. Yeah. The, the being able to, as an L2, being able to, the, the goal for an L2 is to be able to run a 16 to 32 player comp rail event. Okay where in that event, you're probably the only judge and you're responsible for yourself. The small event lead role means you are responsible or you have shown that you are responsible for a few other people as well, or a right. couple other people. Like those L1s that are on the floor that have their comp rail policy badge, like you, you have to show that you are capable of watching and making sure that something doesn't go off the rails and that they're properly, the, those judges are properly engaged and are getting the most out of the event that they are at. You, you are, you are taking on a leadership role. You are responsible for the, the care and feeding of the judges underneath you. And that is, there's more to it than just like every two hours, throw a water bottle at them and, you know, say hydration as you walk away real fast. Like there's more to being a lead than that. There are right. some judges that think that that's somehow that that's sufficient is just making sure that your judges are watered like there's some sort of plant. But I mean, they, I I know I for one am a very delicate plant and need watering regularly. Delicate flower. <laughs> a delicate <laughs> flower. Delicate flower. You you were yelling at us earlier. You were like, I'm not done. <laughs> sometimes oh, sometimes I get tired of sitting and not talking, and I decide it's my turn. No, no, it's 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 <laughs> love it's it. A, it's okay, Sam. I am constantly told to go sit in my corner. It's all right. I get it. Yeah. All right. So there's a small event lead badge. We have a medium event lead badge, which is like the small event lead badge, only a little larger. The Goldilocks right. lead right. badge. Yes. And then there, and then there's this policy expert thing, which which interests me, and I haven't read it in detail. So so I think it indicates that the judge is an expert in uh, tournament policy and investigations at large competitive events. Now, investigations is is a whole nother topic. Can of worms. Yeah, but but there are complex calls that often require consultation because of the potential damage they can do to a match, and this includes rewinds, reversing decisions, investigations, and more. I kind of see this, and and I know that this is still early and it's still being run out, but I see this policy expert thing as uh, something that an, an L two can work towards, get, and then be allowed to do hidden card error calls <laughs> without mm -hmm. without oversight uh at a large event um i think everyone should do hidden card error calls all the time yeah i i think so too but they need I, them it's really complicated it's not <laughs> it's not it's, complicated 
it, it is and charts. it's not it isn't it isn't the the complexity mm-hmm. as it has been explained to me i believe is that what happens when you get it wrong and the well, damage that you can do to the board everything's state by complicated doing that. if you bork it up don't no, get it wrong then <laughs> I agree. Get I good. Agree. I agree. The complexity is all right. I'll I'll give you. Here's the thing. <laughs> you're watching the Matrix, okay, <laughs> and you're just seeing all those little green symbols come down across the the screen, and you have no idea what any of that means. But eventually, you know, you had that one guy that's like, I've been looking at this so long. Uh, that's that's a blonde. That's a guy in a suit. And that's a you know. Eventually you get to the point where you can just look at the symbols and be like, yeah, yeah, I know what to do. This is the, and it becomes easy because you grok it. But so, so what you're saying, point, eventually you become the bad guy. Well, see, I think yeah. that at level two, you should just be a, a green hieroglyphics expert. Like, so every, I think that yeah, should be so part you're Neo, of being an L2. You're Neo. Part of, and maybe uh, part of the exam, the L1, L2 test should be bullet dodging. I, I will not administer that exam. <laughs> What? That'd be amazing. I will neither Here. administer nor nor take that exam. Here, do, let me stab the back of your head and see if you learn kung fu. Oh, oh my um, goodness! But <laughs> for for all three of these badges, where the level one badges were based on completing modules and taking online tests, these badges, all three of them, require some combination of reviews, evaluations. Uh, endorsements so these badges not only is there an objective part but there is a subjective component which I really like the subjective because like I said before you can do a 32 person event and it's absolute garbage but you did a 32 person event but you survived it lad (laughs) yeah but doing a 32 person event well well that's that's subjective right all right L3 uh, looks like, re- realistically, L3 only kind of applies to a small group of folks, and it looks like there's going to be some additional work and additional clarifications that are come, going to come out at the first of the year, or the beginning of the year. Uh, like, there's new documents in progress, there's an updated path. It is updated. Also, there's, now there just is a path. For, for quite a while, we just didn't have a real good method by which to create new L3s. Because there weren't any events, there weren't any event, and especially there weren't any events the size of which you need to really evaluate an L three. So now, and and we didn't, you know, we 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 needed new test questions, and we needed a lot of things. So now, now there is a path, which is the big update. And realistically, here one of, one of the unfortunate realities is like like I was saying earlier, the large events in South America and Europe are smaller than the large events in the US. Correct. Like and which which creates another another situation where what's considered large in, if you if you create the requirements for a large event in the US, you basically shut out other regions. Right. Which means then you have to bring the bring the number down, but then it becomes kind of low for the <laughs> it just comes it becomes, you know, low for the US. It's it's a delicate balancing act, but again, you don't want to create like a two tier system uh, at the at the same time. So I I can appreciate some of the challenges, and that was one of the one of the things the old program constantly had had issues with too. But at least there we had GPS that tended to be at least a thousand players, regardless of where they were. It tend to be. Yeah. So the new cutoff is four hundred and ten. 
I believe, because that coincides with a certain number of rounds, I believe. I did notice that large tournament head judge qualification is out and it's being sort of replaced with professional tournament head judge uh, as a advanced role. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, as, as we as we are sort of seeing what, you know, the future the future of events looks like as far as attendance and, you know, where they lo- get located, all, all sorts of things, we... We want to open up more options, but without, like you sort of pointed out, lowering the bar of quality or expectations. We want to make sure everybody is being held to an appropriate standard, but also given more options depending on, you know, what what opportunities are available to them. Right. And that's that is a little redef stuff. So meanwhile, it's been it's been a hot minute since the actual event but you guys went to magic 30 we yeah did. we did what was that all about uh sam do you want to go first or do you want me to go first yeah because both of y'all had some pretty big roles you honestly probably had a much more interesting sort of perspective than i did i i went as i went for judge academy specifically to hang out at the booth and talk to judges and talk to folks who were interested in being judges and it was a ton of fun um Eric, Dustin Brown, and I had a big weekend doing that. We met a lot of great folks, had a lot of fun. Um, but that that was really kind of our whole jam each and every day. So, um, yeah, Charles, any- you, you, Charles, you will probably have a much more interesting perspective <laughs> than I have. But but did anything interesting come out of that? Your your conversations with judges uh, is is are there things that we can look forward to in the new year just because of of you know what judges shared with you and and were any ideas generated? I don't want you to get too specific unless you have something specific to share, but um, was that got, a positive for you? Yeah, yeah, it was super positive experience. Um, I really didn't know what to expect going into it. Um, we've never really done a like booth set up like, exa- like exactly the way we did it at Magic 30 before. So I I was interested to figure out what, you know, what it was going to be like. And it was in- entirely positive. Um all the all the judges that came up to talk to us were super excited or at least really like passionate about the things they wanted to talk about like even even the more like even the even the pieces of sort of critical feedback we got on occasion were like really well delivered like we had some great conversations had a lot of really great suggestions so like all, honestly 100% positive experience i'm super grateful to all the judges that came up and talked to me about stuff gave their opinions made suggestions cuz yeah there's we, t- we take suggestions and feedback all year round, but like those conversations in person are so valuable. And I especially enjoyed how many non-US based judges were in attendance there because I, I'm i a US based judge myself. So I get to have those conversations with US judges a lot more easily than I do um, with non-US judges. So getting their perspectives was extremely valuable to me and it was it was a ton of fun. That's awesome. That really is. Yeah. Um, so my perspective, uh, this is a fun thing because there were over 200 or about 200 judges on staff. Um, and because of the size of the event, I did not see as everything. Um, and because of the size of the event, I did not get to interact with everybody. It was just so unbelievably massive. Y'all were Um, busy. Yeah, there were, there were, there were two halves of the room that the, the hall was split into halves. Um, the front half was this this massive party. Um, it was a convention area. Uh, it had uh, displays with interactive planes. 
um, planeswalkers would come in dressed as as Liliana and Liliana and Chandra and and Teferi, and they had these sets, and they would stand behind the set, and people could come up and get their pictures taken with them. It was just so much fun. It had one of the largest artist alleys I've seen at any event. I I don't know if I've been in an event where there were more artists. There had to be at least twelve of them there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they had uh, tons of vendors, of course. Um, a merch stand that reminded me of PAX, um, not as large as packs because packs and merch i don't know how they do it but it's like this whole organism um but for Matt for magic i've never seen anything quite like it they were selling themed jean jackets and and they had oh, the merch jackets, so good. Theme, themed jean jackets um and and if you remember the 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 satin jackets from like the 50s oh the bomber jackets yeah yeah they were selling those um they had exactly. all kinds of stuff there it was amazing so that's the that's the the front of the house, and then in the back of the house, we were divided into seven regions, well, six six regions. Uh, we were divided by colors for the major play areas for for mountain swamp, um, plains, um, uh, mountain swamp plains. You know the other two forests and and I, I forget what that fifth one is. It doesn't matter anyway. Um, and judges were assigned to those areas, and inside of those areas, we were split into four four uh, four subdivisions of that. So, the amount of players that we had coming through at any given time, a lot of the tables were full, and we were just running events. Um, the interesting thing is, is that I know that there were some different problems, um, timing and software, and and how things came together. But I was hired kind of as a specialist for the event. So I didn't see a lot of that, and I can't report on it. Um, I was okay. hired. Okay, wait. I was going to say, don't you dare skip over that. T- brag on yourself a little bit. You had an yeah, incredible yeah, yeah, event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, the, I've a been little promotion my, for yourself, please. I, I've been setting myself up to do this for five years, Samma. <laughs> five years. Um, when, Give yourself the commotion for this you deserve. When Unstable came out five years ago, um, I I had this this thought in my head that i could create a cosplay that was um a character that was outside of unstable but a part of unstable uh, and i created this this pun this this play on words this character called dr judge so i got a, a pharmacist jacket and i got a i got a i got it uh, embroidered with dr judge and i got you know various things like a stethoscope and so on and and I went out and I judged on stable events and I was hired to do a couple of events. And I was thinking to myself, you know, this is really great. But what I want to do is I want to pull it back out again. I want to judge a really big event when they do the next on set. And lo and behold, Wizards came out with Infinity. Um, and that provided a, an opportunity because I heard that at Magic 30, they were going to run these really big Infinity events. And they were going to have Mark Rosewater there and all kinds of stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, I've got to apply. I've got to apply. So I applied. And uh, sent in a nice little letter and, and outlined what I wanted to do. I said I wanted to do the cosplay. It's it's a judge outfit, but I'm wearing the I'm wearing the uh, Doctor Judge jacket, and and, and uh, we have a lot of fun doing it. And I got I got accepted, right? Yay. And the second I got accepted, I'm like I'm going to go on Discord because my acceptance letter doesn't say whether or not I can do the Doctor Judge thing. So I sent one of the organizers a message, 
And I realized that after I typed it, she had sent one to me three seconds beforehand asking me if I would do it. So it was game on. I was going to be Dr. Judge. And uh, we ran, I ran two events. I ran one event Friday night, one event Saturday night. Uh, my friend Chris ran another event Friday night because they just had so many people sign up. They had to run three different events. The Friday night event was 370 players or so that I ran. And then the Saturday night event was about five, 438 players. Yeah, I don't think there's a judge that I would think of other than you to do something like that. Oh, like, absolutely real, Realistically, I'm, I'm like sitting here thinking, I was like, who who would be a, a better choice or even a, an on-par choice? And I'm coming up empty. I'm literally bouncing in my chair here just thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> because because it was it was <sighs> And that's exactly the 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 mentality or the attitude you want for an unevent. Right. Right. You 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 need to bring it has to be, you know, we talk about keeping it fun and keeping it fair. Unevents are 100% keeping it fun and maybe like half a percent keeping it fair because let's just face it, the rules <laughs> are weird. Um but you so I had um, Friday night, the setup was, was that we were running a little bit behind. Uh, Mark Rosewater was there. He was going to go around and, and interact with the players. Um, and he had come up with this really neat idea of doing achievements, which added this whole additional layer of complexity, which I wasn't prepared for. I had, I had these notes I was going to read. I was going to tell players that, you know, you have to make sure that you're uh, zone drafting. You have to make sure that you're uh, uh, aware of what the attractions do and so on. And then he throws me this curveball and I'm holding one of the cards in my hand. And the card reads at the top, here are 15 unlikely tasks. Whenever an individual accomplishes one of these tasks during the event, they can summon their nearest judge and they will receive a foiled water gun balloon game promo signed by Mark Rosewater. Each player may only one prize per tournament. And there are 15 tasks, and, and there's something here called That's the Ticket, where they have to spend 12 or more tickets in a single game. Or or Knife of the Party, where you gain 10 or more life with the card Knife and Death. There are 15 Wait, of these, right? So this was just sprung on you right before the event? Right, but wait, <laughs> there's more. Okay. So the first time a player in one of the tournaments actually completes one of the things, like the first time a player does That's the Ticket, they get the water balloon game, but they also get a signed, uh, is it a blood baron? Foil blood baron? I think it's a, it's a, a promo card that's rare and, and difficult to achieve. Mm -hmm. So what ended up happening is, is you have to think about the logistics of it all. And I realized that I literally had to have one judge that would do achievements because I had to have a way to checklist against the achievements to make sure I wasn't giving out too many of the special promo. Get it? Yeah. And how did, how did, or how <laughs> did you even communicate what all the, the achievements were to every, to a 200, oh, 400 oh, person event? There was a case of these cards behind the, behind the uh, stage. There were like okay. 2000 cards in the case. So we issued the cards with the product. Okay. So everybody had a card and they could read it and they could understand what the different different achievements were. But you know, we would we made a game out of it too. You know, what we did was we told players instead of yelling judge, please just stand up and wave and dance and 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 we'll we'll recognize you that way. Because I didn't want judges to get confused between judge calls and achievement calls. 
because if they well, that's just a, that's a clever solution for if, an event. Oh, we got deeper than that. There were so okay. many things that were happening. <laughs> so we did this event. Uh, Friday night it was three hundred seventy-five players. Uh, Mark wanted to hang out, um, interact with the players, and it was great. And towards the end of the evening, he comes up to me and he goes, "You think you think I can play tomorrow night?" And and I don't know about you, but I don't know how to say no to Mark Rosewater. I I don't know if it's possible. Right. Let the man do what he wants. You let the man do what he wants. So so we took him up to the stage afterwards. We checked with the stage manager. We made sure everything would be all right. And and we got him enrolled in the event. So the next night, Saturday night, he was actually enrolled. He was a player. Players got to play against Mark Rosewater. I mean, that just to me, that's just utterly amazing. Um, And we ran it again and we had 400, like I said, 438 players in that event. And in that event, oh, okay. Are you ready for this? We were drafting, right? Mm Mm-hmm. We weren't drafting in pods. Mm-hmm. Of eight, right? Right. We weren't drafting. We weren't doing that. We were no? drafting. We were drafting in rows. So All right. a row was four or five tables long and seated. I don't know. Uh, somewhere close to fifty players. Hmm. So when you okay. opened that pack one and you looked at the pack and you picked that first card, there is no point in reviewing the rest of the pack because you weren't going to see it again. Never to be seen again. <laughs> it's fine. That's 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 a good way to. It, it's it's fine. It's an event. It doesn't. It, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's so you did great. zone drafting. You we did zone we, drafting we, that we way. still we still did zone drafting as much as we could. We still ended up with a draft problem the second night. Um, we ended up with with uh, somebody who misunderstood a direction, um, and they were listening really closely about the attractions and heard you know you have to have at least three attractions. And somehow to them that translated to you have to pick three cards each pick. So um, about two-thirds of the way through pack one, it was realized that these packs that are coming south of this person were a little light. Um, and that required uh, some very fast thinking. And I, and I want to thank uh, David Hibbs for for stepping up and, and helping me with that. Uh, you know... You, Head judging an unevent, I had to be everywhere all at once and have eyes on everything. I relied on him to to step in, make make a very good evaluation how to fix it, and then sit there and execute the fix. And he spent I'm I'm gonna say he spent the rest of the draft sitting there with the person to make sure that everything flowed correctly. Uh, and the other players were satisfied with the fix, which is always nice. So you got your medium event lead role badge. Yeah, but that's competitive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Unevents un- are competitive. <laughs> they, they, they. I, I will, I will say that the differences in in how I felt in confidence between the first night and the second night were amazing. Um, the first night there were a lot of unknowns. Um, I did not have a lot of time to prep with the judges that I was going to be assigned because we were already running up against the clock. It was a very tight timetable. Um, I, I, I felt, I felt nervous through the evening. The second night. Um, I took a lot of the lessons I learned from the first night and I applied them right away. Um, I made sure that uh, I had 12 judges for the second night uh, for the first hour. And then after that, it was reduced to nine judges. But but those 12 judges, I, I pulled them aside and I got to talk to them for 10 minutes beforehand. And I told them what to expect. I told them what my expectations were. This is an unevent and this is run at regular. You don't actually at re- most regular events allow for there to be appeals, right? I told them, let them appeal. It's fun, you know? 
I'll come over. I'll, 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 I'll take the appeal. We'll have some fun with it. There, there's no reason not to. Did right? you get appeal? Did Did you take any appeals? I did. Yeah. What was one of the appeals? Oh gosh, the rules are crazy. Just somebody just not agreeing with how the explanation was, and 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 I came back and I think I overruled one. It it, it didn't happen very often, but I said if you if you get it or if you just want to consult with me, you know, bring me okay. in, I'll, I'll do it. So it wasn't, it wasn't, it was like real stuff and not something like, I would like to appeal your call that a hoodie is not a hat. No, no, yeah. Okay. But, but there would be judges that would come to me and ask me about that. And I would, I would clarify it for them because not, the weird thing with Infinity was Infinity was a, uh, came out three weeks before and, Mm -hmm. and some stores ran events and some stores didn't. And it was there for a weekend and it was gone. So a lot of judges, even the judges that I had assigned to me, uh, had no experience with it or limited experience with it or had read about some of the cards, right? So sure. there was there was a lot of question and answer and, and a couple of really unique rulings with how the different cards work. And luckily, we had done a preview episode on it, uh, and I used a lot of that knowledge over the course <laughs> of the event. <laughs> a lot of Sweet. knowledge over the course of the event. So um, I can't thank... I, I have to... Th- uh, I'm going to thank Pastimes. Um, they were amazing. I had, this was my first Vegas event, so there's that. Um, but I got to head judge two crazy wild uh, events over two days, and I just, I'm just still buzzing from it all. Um, it was, it was so much fun. The players had so much fun. Uh, I did not see anyone that was upset with the event in any way, shape, or form. Um, everybody had great feedback. I, I, I can't, I can't say enough about it. Um, I, and, and then on Sunday, on Sunday, I was going to work with, um, one of the other stages and I'm sitting there in my team lead meeting and, uh, my team lead was Matt Carr and I'm sitting there for Tennessee represent. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And I was excited because I've never worked with Matt Carr before. Right. And they come over and they say, Hey, we need somebody that can go work on sides. And everybody's just kind of staring at each other and like, well, I like sides. I'll do it. So, so, so I got to work with Matt for all of two minutes and I feel really bad about that. <laughs> but at the same time, I got to go work sides. So, you know, it was win-win for me because um, I love working sides. I spent the day over there helping Liz Richardson and, and, and working with a lot of other great judges. And uh, end of the it, it was, it was an amazing, amazing event. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I know that there are people that had different problems for different reasons. I know that social media had some backlash on Friday. It doesn't matter. All I saw were magic players playing magic, magic players enjoying themselves, judges taking calls. It seemed like every other event to me. Um, I know that I am definitely applying for Magic Philadelphia, which is in February. And I'm told that there are a lot of the things that I saw there that'll be returning in some form or another for this event. They're, they're really digging into the convention side of magic. Um, and, and I think that's an amazing thing. Oh, and they had, uh, what, they had Worlds there, right? I think so, yeah. I think yeah. that was going on at the same time, for sure. <laughs> it was over in the corner, and they've got all these wonderful displays, and they've got right, security guards, and sec- security guards, and you can't go in there, and, and so on. And, you know, you had Marshall Sutcliffe and, 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 and everybody behind the counter doing their doing their thing. Um, we all just so had to live was... vicariously through Jeff Foster, who was way cooler than all of us. 
Oh, <laughs> Jeff. Bless him. I, I know that he was there at the event. I never saw him once. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, I, he, I think he was doing coverage for the whole thing. He was busy. Right, right. I'm sure. Uh, but again, 200 judges there. Uh, I had hoped to meet and talk to and, and spend time with a whole bunch of them. And uh, due to the size of the event, I probably spent time and really, really got into some good discussions with, with 10 or 12 judges. I probably saw said hi to, to a, a dozen more. Um, to Marcus out there, doctor, uh, he will love that. I'm sure. Um, and, uh, I can't, here's the one thing about it though. And, and I do want to touch on this briefly. You know, what really surprised me. There were a stunning number of L ones that were working the event. And a lot of them had never worked a big event before, or at least the ones that I interacted with. And I didn't interact. Like I said, there are 200 people there. I didn't only interacted with so many of them, but I was really impressed. Um, they came prepared. Uh, I, I, I had one that picked up a pretty difficult role for me with the unevent um, on Saturday night and did a bang up job. Uh, there were, and there were others that were that were just their energy was great. Um, they were taking calls and they were they were giving good information to players um, when they had questions. They were asking about it. The the L ones that were brought on board that may have had little or no big tournament experience really carried themselves well. And I think, you know, I think we should give a big hats off to them and to the program for, for finding judges and people who are interested in doing this because they did really well. And that's, and that's my M30 report. (laughs) That's fantastic. I'm so glad to hear. I'm so glad to hear that because I I know that judging, judging your first event period is, is, hard and it's nerve-wracking and what a big one to start off with you know like oh, yeah. that takes a lot of takes a lot of guts and i'm really proud of them for doing it how cool um yeah. we yeah so the booth the booth like i said before was a ton of fun really super valuable conversations and in fact it, it went so well that we you know at, at first we weren't sure you know is this going to be worthwhile for us to ever do again uh, blah 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 but like it was so successful beyond our wildest dreams that we want to do this basically as often as we can make happen, right? Um, we're definitely definitely going to go to Philadelphia. Um, I'm really excited to see where where in Europe they're going to be because if if we can make the budget for it, we would love to go do this over there too. Um, and we were we were laughing in Discord, you know, if if I end up going to Europe, I'm going to show up on the plane wearing like 15 judge shirts just to like bring over there to, to give to people and stuff. I don't know. Start bringing swag with me over there, but yeah, it was it was so much fun and so successful. We were we were just thrilled with how all of yeah. that went for us. Every time I walked by there, it seemed like there were two people seated talking talking to you, you both and 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 there were, you know, one or two people standing and waiting in line to talk to you. Um, yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was great. I <laughs> Our mean, voices were shot by the end of the weekend because we never stopped talking. We never shut up. <laughs> it's so good to see that level of outreach and to see that in place. Uh, I, I hope that, like you said, you're going to be at Philadelphia, maybe Europe. I, I hope that this becomes a thing for larger events. And whether it's you and EDB or, or whether it's some other representative, I, I think it's important for the program. I think it is too. I think that's something we really took away from all of it is like. There, there's, you know, there's a lot of PR we have to do online that you, you, you can't communicate tone and intent nearly as well online as you can in person. Because, like, <laughs> right. And, you know, it, it is what it is. Like, 
and the you know people that know me or people that know eric like know where we care a whole lot but like you know not everybody knows both of us or either of us so getting to meet people in real life to be like to actually help you know let them get to know us as people i think was really really valuable to to show people hey we are we're real people we are also judges and we care so so much absolutely you know because we do so yeah it's easier to be very genuine and can and build meaningful connections in person yeah we hope to do this as frequently as possible because we had a blast yeah i had so much fun this was this was my first event in almost three years or maybe three three years well you know grad school i kind of turned into a hermit and then covid and then you know the one or two events I wanted to work, there was always a weird conflict. Um, so I was revitalized by it all. I'm just, I'm so excited. I'm looking forward to 2023. I'm, I'm trying to figure out which events I can get to. I'm hoping to have a conversation with Star City about that too. Every time uh, so. I like apply to judge an event, I something comes up to where like, I feel bad even applying for events anymore to where like, I think yeah. at this point, I'm just going to like wait until an event happens and I am definitely like their local when it happens i'm just gonna show up and be like this is my event now right um, right I, no that's the way you have to do it no. <laughs> look at me i am the captain <laughs> no I, I i applied to oh really I, I applied to an event that john carter was judge manager for and it was the first event that i it, it was about a, in the last year it was the first event that i ever actually had to write to them and say uh, i i it was like a, a couple weeks out that there's just no way i can do it uh, and I, I went through my application and, so and it was, it, it was, it, there was a family matter going on and there was no way that I could do it. And they, they were very understanding, but it felt awful doing it. I don't want to be in that position. I know no judge wants to be in that position, you know, so long as you conduct yourself with maturity and so forth, it's, it should not be a problem though. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, so the, the event that Sam, I don't know if I've said this on air. Uh, so I was judge manager for command fest Orlando and had to back like like I had staffed everybody oh, no. <laughs> and like sent out communications and coordinated with the TO and like done like floor plan discussions and stuff like that. And then I had to back out a week before because I had to go to I had to go to a funeral. So it was like it was like doing that whole back out thing. And fortunately, like Abe stepped in and took my spot actually at the event and we just kind of like, you know, promoted all it's sort of like one of those things where like Vader kills somebody on one of the Star Destroyers and like everyone gets a promotion. <laughs> you know, uh, it was like that kind of like ladder increase kind of thing. Yeah, but it was... Wait, wait, wait. Uh, You're saying was... judge manners get lightsabers? Because I'm all in. Oh, yeah. Don't... It's standard issue. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, like it's part of... Um, well, you had to become L3 on the old program. You got the lightsaber. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Right. All right. Judge right. Academy doesn't do lightsabers because of some sort of liability thing with like that international makes, that makes, law. That makes that makes sense. International what? law is tough on lightsabers. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say if you if you ever have to if you ever have to ask the question why doesn't Judge Academy do fill in the blank, just go ahead and assume international law is the answer. Right. So that's why you can't have <laughs> lightsabers, kids. <laughs> there is a, the the Timothy Zahn books, the set of books that Timothy Zahn wrote that take place after Return of the Jedi like the first set of Star Wars books, yes. there's one sentence that's absolutely hilarious where like Thrawn was lamenting the loss of Vader's ship, the Executioner. And he was like, everyone wanted to work there because of the fast rate of promotion. <laughs> and then he just continued on. And I was just like, why is there such a fast rate of promotion? Oh. Uh, it's because he, 
Because <laughs> Vader just keeps killing everyone that disappoints him. Right, right. I read those. I don't remember that line, but I read those. That's yeah, awesome. it was. It's amazing. <laughs> that feels like a show. Yeah, that feels like a show. I'm glad you guys had a great time at at Magic Thirty. I haven't been back to Vegas since uh, like the first Modern Masters Vegas GP. Vegas is not my favorite city, but I did have a blast. Oh, I'll, I'll absolutely go back oh, again. I've got to figure the, it out, you know what? but I'll go back. There was exactly one thing I wanted to do in Vegas, and that was go to Omega Mart, and it was extremely worth it. If anybody goes to Vegas and has not yet been to Omega Mart, do that. It is worth it. Yeah, I, I flew in Thursday night, and I flew out Sunday night. I, I literally went to the judge room. I packed my stuff up in the in the judge room upstairs. I went downstairs, I got an Uber, and I went back to the airport because I, I wanted to be oh. home. I, well, I wanted to be home for Halloween. Um, so I, I did the I did the actual red-eye flight home, um, which was kind of miserable, and I don't ever want to do that again. But I also definitely want to see Omega Mart. So next time I'm in Vegas, that's that's What's, in the books. Omega Mart is what? what oh, oh, no. We I'll can't, show you later. Yes, we cannot. Words will fail Just, us. Just, yeah, this. trust me. Okay. It's it's a, it's a it's like a pop culture nightmare kaleidoscope. There's there's okay. nothing there's nothing I can say that will do it justice. You just have to experience it. Um but it was it was funny. I really wanted to go, so like I convinced Eric to go with me who I I think he he had also wanted to go and then we convinced um Jeff Foster to go with us and then we convinced John Alderfer to go with us. So we ended up with like this really like super fun little party of judges experiencing this insanely surreal, surreal like art installation. You make me situation. so sad. <laughs> it was, it was okay, a so hoot. Art. So when we went to Vegas last time with, with also Jeff Foster and, and Billy Willie and uh, one or two others that are escaping me, we went to the, um, the Mafia Museum. Oh, that yeah. Had, or the that was right next yeah. door to my hotel, and I still didn't yeah. have time to go see it. And so we went to that, and it was great. They had this one room that was like a it was like a cop simulator where you they gave you like a gun and they showed you videos and you could assess the the threat. And all we did was just shoot everyone in the crotch, <laughs> just like a real cop, <laughs> right? <laughs> It was just like it was like here here's a guy here's a guy threatening threatening a hostage is just like shoot them both in the crotch and go on shoot the guy shoot the hostage you know we'll figure it out later and then get <laughs> yeah so I'm I'm looking I'm looking at the Omega Mart webpage and it's not even really telling me what what Omega Mart is it's just it's just a big page that says you have no idea what's in store and I was like well that is correct that's why <laughs> that's why I came to this webpage so you could tell me no, and you're no, not just, and you're I not go telling experience me it. yeah I've seen enough about it to know that it's one of those things that I I just desperately want to go see and I don't want to hear any more about it till I actually get to experience it yeah the, the descriptions will will not help descriptions will not help you understand it and it, it could the descriptions aren't even good enough to ruin the experience it just it is so bizarre <laughs> um yeah I'm, I'm looking i was like tell me what it's about it's like do you want to know what it's about and i go yes and it goes it's a must-see art experience and i'm like great what does that mean and it just doesn't it, tell it is it just is yeah all right uh, so i guess i guess that is our episode do we do you want me to do the wrap-up sure yeah. All right, friends, that's our episode. Join us next time when we talk about some topic. Um, maybe maybe by then we'll know more, you know, Brian will know more about Omega Mart. Um, until then, you can send us an email at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at judgecast. Till next time, I'm Samantha Har and I keep it fun. 
I'm Dr. Judge, your head judge for Infinity Events, and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Prillman, and I shop smart, shop Omega Mart. Oh, I was supposed to keep no, it fair. No, I got it. Sorry, I just realized that I was supposed to keep it fair and you were supposed to keep it fun. Oh, that's terrible. God, so we both, absolute... kept, we both kept it fun? Brian, you keep it fun. Double fun is no fair. <laughs>